If you guys could uh, turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 18. We're going to continue on in Joshua chapter 18. Before we get into tonight's teaching, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you because um, we thank you because you give us cold weather. You give us humidity, Lord, and you give us dry weather as well, Lord. We thank you because you're sovereign, Lord, and you know exactly what we need and when we need it. Um, I think something Sonia mentioned in her prayer was seasons, and I, I think that's something that we all are familiar with. Those who have been walking in the Lord for little time, those who have been walking in the Lord for a long time, and even those who are not walking with the Lord. We are familiar with seasons, Lord. Tonight, um, as we uh, get into your word, Lord, I pray that our hearts may not be reserved, but rather that our hearts may be willing to engage with what you have for us tonight, Lord. I pray that our hearts may be in a place of rest, not that we're to fall asleep, but rather of resting you, Lord, knowing that you have us in the palm of your hands. And more importantly, Lord, that our hearts are taken care of by you, Lord. So, Lord, I don't know who needs rest here tonight, even though we all do, but who's yearning for it, Lord. But I pray that that rest comes from you and it's found in you, Lord. Um, That we may take on the things that you have called us to, Lord. So, Lord, as we read through um, the latter part of the book of Joshua, Lord, I pray that we may hold on to every word, Lord. Hold on to every verse, Lord, um, because it's important, because you you thought it was important to put in there, Lord. And so, Lord, um, challenge our hearts tonight. Uh, pour into our hearts tonight, Lord, and allow us or place us in Uh, a state of receiving from you, Lord, and you only. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in your name, amen. So tonight we're getting into uh, chapter 18. And so far in previous chapters, what we have seen um, is uh, we've been looking at the tribes of Israel, right? And entering the promised land and conquering uh, the, the, the lots that were casted to them is what we're seeing. We've seen tribes that have... Uh, stepped up, right, and said, I will take my inheritance and have conquered giants, have conquered cherries, have conquered the land fully to its full extent, right? We've also seen tribes that have uh, entered into the land that, that, that was given to them. Um, and remember, they're casting lots. They're uh, basically rolling dice, right? It's kind of what we would uh, modern day, what we look at it as. But this is all within the commandments of the Lord of the Old Testament and also trusting in the Lord. Um, and, and the Lord is really the one that is sovereign over this. So we've seen uh, these, these tribes. But what we haven't seen is a tribe that has done nothing, right? We haven't seen that yet. We, we've seen the, the extreme and then a little bit more, but we haven't seen tribes that have done nothing. Well, tonight, we're actually going to 
go into chapter 18 and look at tribes that have done absolutely nothing, right? Absolutely nothing. And when we look at this tribe, it's so easy to say, well, maybe they were just lazy, or maybe they were just disobedient, or maybe they were just this or that. Fill in the blank, right? Um, and it's so important. I think, I think it's really cool how the Bible always reaches out to us, right? No matter who we are, what place in life we're in, how rich or poor or, or middle class we are, right? The Bible always reaches out to us, right? And, and I, I think this should speak to us in a, in, in a one way or another. Because we can look at those tribes as all these things, but it makes me wonder, why did they really not take over the land, right? Why did they do nothing? Culturally, we uh, can see it also as, you know, for example, I don't know if you've known people that um, jump from church to church to church, right? They go from church to church to church. When I first got to the mountain, it was very popular, you know, people, because I worked at two different churches, um, and uh, so basically, it's just where the Lord had us in, in that season, talking about seasons, and um, and I would see people from different churches come to both churches, so I would always run into them, and be like, hey, you're here, like, yeah, you're here too, <laughs> so, um, so, but, but, but I looked at that, and I, I, and I thought, wow, like, they're going from church to church to church. One thing I did notice as I met uh, certain type of people like that was that they were not plugged in, right? They weren't willing to set roots in one place. They were comfortable in what they were doing because they didn't really have to be vulnerable is really what, where I thought they were. And so what we're going to see today is that the, the, the tribe of Israel, they had the benefits of all the people in the land, right? The tribes that had already taken over the land, they would go from one land to the other, Right and and when troubles came up, somebody attacked or so, or something happened. They'd say, "Yeah, I don't need to stay here," so they'd go to a different one. Maybe that's that's what happened. Ultimately, ultimately, I think I want to tell you guys this story, and I'm going to get to the text. Right, now. I know you guys are like, "When are we going to get to the text?" I think I want to start with this story, and uh, it, it's really about a time in my life that was very difficult for me. Uh, it was difficult. Because there's something I really wanted to do and something I was part of. So I was in the Marine Corps. I've, um, many of you guys know that. I'm a veteran. And um, when there was a moment in my life where I had the opportunity of a lifetime for me, as le- at least that's how I would see it. And uh, I got to be part of a special forces platoon in the Marine Corps, which is called uh, Force Recon. And I got to train with them. And um, the whole time that we were training as if I was going to go to school, to, just to basically tell you, like, the story that uh, really short is, I, I didn't end up going to school for that after all, and I ended up getting out. But something that we would do um, while I was there was to prepare for this, was this extraneous, like, workout that would basically prepare us for the real thing. And it was only, I think, about half of what it really was. So basically, what we would start off with was a 500-meter swim with boots, uh, utilities, which is top and bottom, and, uh, and, and a jacket, black jacket. 500-meter uh, swim. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not the best swimmer. I'm like a turtle in water. Well, turtles are really good in water. What am I talking about? 
<laughs> I wish I was like a turtle water. No, but I would always finish last on this on this 500 meter swim because it was like I had like little short arms and I was just trying to paddle the whole time. So we do a 500 meter swim. After we did the 500 meter swim, we had to hold, uh, I think it was a 10 pound. So excuse me if I don't have the details right, but a 10 pound rifle over our heads while we tried to water. Then after that, they throw us all in the pool and for 30 minutes, for about, like, it was like 20 of us, for 30 minutes, they would have us tread water. Uh, and this is still with the uh, utilities and the boots and everything. Now, I know, it's making me exhausted just talking about it. Um, but, but I don't know if you guys have ever been in water with people, especially when they feel like they're drowning. What do they do? They start grabbing, they start scratching, they start doing anything they can to stay above water, right? And that's exactly where I was for 30 minutes. So we did that. And if that was enough, after that, we got out of the water, and then we had to do what we call a PFT, a physical fitness test in the Marine Corps, um, so which basically consisted of three miles, doing 20 pull-ups, 100 crunches, all at, like, consecutively. So this whole thing had to be done consecutively. By the time we got done with this, um, basically, this exercise, I was exhausted, I was done. Like, I, I, I didn't, my arms didn't have any energy. My legs didn't have any energy. I, I didn't feel like myself. I didn't feel like myself. Where am I going with this? Where am I going with this? If I had to do this exercise, for example, swim 500 meters, take a day, you know, or even a lunch, and then come back and do another exercise, and come back and do another exercise. What was missing in between this consecutive uh, group of exercises? What, what did I need, really? And the word is rest. I know you guys are thinking, hey, I need a rest in between to be able to do all these things. All together, it almost seems impossible. and kind of was, really. Um, you, you were spent by the time you were done. But having rest in between these, I think they're pretty doable, right? I mean, I don't know about the 500-meter swim. I still struggled with it a lot. But... They're all doable. And why do I bring this up? I bring this up because in life, we're both fleshly beings and spiritual beings. Remember, we were talking about that in the last chapters. And we can't opt out of the day-to-day, right? Uh, if you have kids, you have to wake up for your kids, feed them, right? You have to take them to school, do what you need to do with them. Uh, I don't have kids, but I still have to go wake up to go to work, right? I have to take out the trash. I got to walk the dogs here and there. And so I got to do all these things in between, right? And in between, um, it's so important what we do in the in between. Because if we're not getting the rest that we need, then... Everything else is going to fall through the cracks. Everything else is going to be a, ah, now I got to do this. Ah, now I got to do that, right? How many of you guys are confident that where you're at in life is exactly where the Lord has you? Because I am. I am. I know that where the Lord has me now is, is a season that the Lord has me in. And do I want to? Not do anything at all that the Lord's calling me to do. Because how many of you guys know when you're tired, you don't want to deal with anybody, right? Any one person that comes to you, like just any one person, that, the next person that cuts me off, right? And then you finish the sentence. No, don't finish it actually, right? But that happens, right? And this word rest is so important. 
And what we're going to see today, if you, we're going to jump to verse 3 really quick, because I think this defines everything that we're talking about right now and also connects it with the text. In verse 3, it says, this is something that Joshua tells the children of Israel. He says, how long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord, the Lord God of your fathers has given you? How long? I don't know about you guys, but when I read this in the text, I, I was convicted. I was convicted with this text because I'm in a season in my life where I know the Lord has me there. And there's a lot to do, and there's only so many hours in a day. Like, how many want 48 hours in a day? Anybody ever wanted that? Yeah, right. Now, some of you, you guys are like, no, <laughs> 24 is enough. <laughs> but I know that I'm in a season where busyness can be a trend, where busyness can be a common thing. And when I don't get that rest in the Lord, when I say rest, I don't mean rest as in sleep. Sleep is good. But how many of you guys have slept and wake up tired? Right? How many of you guys have, have spent time with the Lord, found your rest in the Lord, and you're re-energized, ready to do what the Lord is calling you to do on a day-to-day basis? Right? You see, today we're going to see that that's what, uh, where the Israelites are going to be in, in the moment. Joshua is leading them. So remember, Joshua is a great leader. And he leads them to this place of rest. Read with me in verse 1. It says, Now the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of meeting there. So how many of you guys can tell me where the tabernacle of meeting was before? Oh, good job, honey. I didn't tell her on the way here. <laughs> if you guys read in the previous chapters, it was in Gilead, right? It was in Gilead. And Gilead was on the other side of the Jordan River, right? So um, somewhere else in the Bible, can't remember off the top of my head, but the Lord says you're, you're to move the, the, the tabernacle and everything with it to, um, to this place called Shiloh. Do you guys know what Shiloh means, the meaning of Shiloh? Shiloh means rest. Shiloh means rest. So the Lord says, move this tabernacle. You guys have been going day and night. Remember Joshua? He asked for more daylight, and the Lord gave it to him. You guys have been going day and night, or all day, I guess you could say. And now I want you guys to move the tabernacle into the place of rest. Into the place of rest. And this is so important, right? Because they were on the go. They had been going, going, going. And now the Lord is saying, I want my presence to be moved into the place of rest. Right? This place of rest. And not only that, set up the tabernacle of meeting here. A little info on that. Um, the scholars say that the tabernacle of meeting would, would stay at Shiloh for about 396 years. Or some say just 400 years. About 400 years there, right? And we see that when Hannah goes to pray for uh, her child who ends up being Samuel, where does she go? To Shiloh, right? She goes to this place of rest, and the Lord blesses her with Samuel, and then Samuel, so on and so on, right? Um, unfortunately, eventually, 396 years later, uh, the, ta- the tabernacle is actually destroyed by the Philistines, okay? But we won't go into that. It's a whole other story. But we see here that the Lord in this space of, um, 
of the Israelite season is calling them to this place of rest. And I think it's so important because they'll bring up uh, Shiloh a few more times as well. Okay? This place of rest um, and, and the presence of the Lord, they, 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 they brought it there. So then it continues on and says, And the land was subdued before them. And the land that was subdued before them. So we see that this account here says that the land was subdued before them, um, which means um, this, this, this land of Shiloh is really what they're saying. Because what we're going to see is that there's going to be a big but, right? B-U-T, not T-T. So uh, a big but. And the but is going to be that there's something not right. Correct? There's something not right. And every time we see something in the Bible where it says but, then we know it's not Something's going on here. So they, the, the line has been subdued where they're at, but there's, what, what this tells us is that some tribes subdued the land, other tribes did not, right? And it's so interesting, I find it, because um, I think we have that in the church as well, or even in our lives, right? In these seasons of our lives, right? As we're go, 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 right? There's things in our life that the Lord has called us to, right? If we're really honest with each other, there's things in the life that our, the Lord has called us to, that we have not subdued. This word subdued makes me think of the word dominion, right? That we haven't brought into dominion. Like, yeah, it's there, but we haven't really, we don't really have uh, control of it. And it also makes me think of the latter part of that, which is sin, right? Sin in our lives. There's, um, so in Romans, Paul says that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I love how Paul, like, he was such a scholar that he uses such words that are very specific, right? Like, he says we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you, if you listen to that closely, what he's saying is that we currently continue to fall short of the glory of God no matter what we do, right? Does that mean that we just give up and say, oh, we're done. I'm just going to continue in my sin or whatever. Not right. That, that's not what we do. But um, I think why Paul says that is because he's basically calling us to action. He's calling us to action. And when the Bible here says that the land was subdued, we also have to look at the opposite. That there were people that had not subdued things in their life, right? Because if there's people that have subdued it, then there's people that have not. And I think this, and this is the case with Israel, and I think this is the case of the church and actually the body of Christ, which we are, right? We're the body of Christ. We're the church, right? There, there, there are things in our lives that, that the Lord is calling us audibly sometimes, and we have not been a subdued it. What do we do? We turn Netflix on, right? I mean, I don't know if Netflix is that popular anymore, but, you know, there's all these other apps now. You can't, you don't even know what to choose. Sometimes my wife tells me, here, choose a movie. And I'm like, I don't know what to choose. There's so many things here. Right? But rather than subduing what the Lord has called us to, we choose distraction. Right? We choose, really what we're choosing is comfort. Right? How many of you guys know that comfort only takes us so far, right? Before the Lord again calls us and says, it, it, may, it makes me think of a Samuel, right? He's laying in bed. The Lord calls him. He doesn't know what's going on. And he wakes up, uh, Eli, and he says, hey, like this is happening. He's like, go back to bed. And when you hear the voice again, then tell him, speak. Like, here I am or whatever, you know? And so this, this is what it makes me think of because when we choose comfort over 
that rest in the Lord, what happens is that, that we, don't, we don't subdue the things that the Lord has called us to. We don't conquer those things that he has called us victorious over. Because how many of you guys know that Jesus is victorious over all in our lives? It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. Now, I'm not undermining anybody's issues or addictions or problems. I'm just communicating to you what the Bible says, what God of the universe says, that Jesus has, has, has victory over all. Right? So then comes a but. Right? So here's the, here's the ones that have done nothing. And again, wouldn't judge them too harshly because I think there's a reason why they haven't done anything. They may see mountains. They may see whatever benefit. But regardless, they've done nothing. It says in verse 2, but there remain among the children of Israel seven tribes which had, yet, had not yet received their inheritance. So we see here that the tribes have, these tribes have not received their inheritance. And so as they come to this place of rest, as they're in the Lord being obedient to God, right, there's this thing that comes up. You haven't, you have not yet um, received your inheritance. I think it's so important that he doesn't say you haven't conquered the land I gave you. You haven't done this. You haven't done that, right? But rather what the Lord is saying is like, hey, like I'm giving it to you. All you have to do is be willing to receive, right? Be willing to receive. And I like to take a spin on this and, and, and really look at the leadership here, what happens, right? Because I think it's a conviction to me and a conviction to us as leaders, right? Because every single one of us here is a leader in some way or another in, in the body of Christ, right? And so the way that Joshua handles, handles this is, is a way that glorifies God, right? So basically what Joshua says is what we read earlier. How long will you re- neglect to go to possess the land which the Lord, uh, Lord God of your fathers has given you? So look at this. He goes and he challenges these tribes, these seven tribes that have not received what the Lord has given them. And, and it convicted me because, um, I don't know about you guys, but um, I'm not big on confrontation. I actually really dislike confrontation, right? Um, I think part of it is the people pleaser in me. Part of it is just that I, I kind of like the comfort of, of not having to say pe- uh, things to people's face. But um, the Lord's really good because he's put me in so many situations in the last year where I have to confront people. And, and, and it's the most uncomfortable things. I know some of you guys are like, oh, I'm willing to confront anybody. I don't care. But, but that's just not me. And, and so I think for me it convicted me because... I think when we're in the rest of the Lord, when we're in the Lord, really the response that we should have of one of our brothers or sisters not uh, walking according to the way they're supposed to walk with the Lord, it should be one of challenge. Now listen to what I said, a challenge. I didn't say judgment, right? A lot of times, uh, I think Pastor Adam gave a great example, and I'm not going to re-say the whole thing because I'll probably butcher it. But basically, he was talking about the body getting cut and then all the cells going over there. And, and I don't know the whole thing because I'm not anywhere near medical stuff. But, and then instead of going to the blood going or the cells going to the cut, they go elsewhere and they start to bicker about, hey, look, at you see that cut over there, right? What does that do? That allows that, that cut to bleed out, right? And not, not do what it's supposed to be doing. 
but rather Joshua, who really is the example of Jesus, what he does is he comes and in love he challenges them. And I love that about him because that's who a leader is, right? A leader sees a brother and sister who are not walking in what the Lord has called them or, do, or are walking in a, in a different manner. And he says, he says, hey, why have, you, why have you not received or taken this inheritance, right? And the Lord has given you victory over this addiction. The Lord has given you victory over this sin. The Lord has given you victory over this issue. Why are you walking in the flesh, right? Why are you depending on the rest of the Lord, is, is what Joshua is really saying. It's like, instead, you'd rather go from tribe to tribe and like hang out with, with, in, in their land. Why do you not just plant roots where the Lord has called you to plant roots and, and overtake that? But it doesn't end there. Because, of course, Joshua is awesome and he's an awesome leader. And then in verse 4 it says, pick out from among you three men for each tribe. So he gives them a plan of what to do. He gives them a plan of what to do. And, and, and I love that because not only does he challenge them, but he also says, hey, I'm going to challenge you, but I'm also going to help you out. And I love it. And, and he helps them out, but he doesn't do it for them, right? A lot of times we just want to do things for people because it's easier because we like to control things. And like, okay, this is what you have to do, but I'm going to do it for you, right? And that's, that's not the way to teach someone. So basically what he does here, he says, here. I have a strategy for you, and this is what's going to be. You're going to pick three men from each tribe, and those three men, this is what he says, and I will send them. They shall rise and go back through the land, survey it according to their inheritance, and come back to me. And they shall divide it into seven parts. Judah shall remain in their ter territory on the south, and the house of Joseph shall remain in their territory on the north. This is important, because right now, basically what we have um, is the south is Judah, right? Judah has already taken over her land, their land. And then in the north, we have Ephraim and Manasseh, right? We have those um, in the north. But then in the middle, in the middle, basically there's lands that have not been taken by, by um, it's actually kind of like a foot, like what, I, I should have had a, an image for you. But anyway, so it, it, in the middle is basically what has not been taken. So right now, the, um, the nation of Israel is separated. The tribes are separated, right? You have the northern tribes, which is Manasseh and, and Ephraim, and they're even separated in between because there are, some are across the river and some are below the river. And then you have the uh, tribe of Judah, who's in the south. So right now they're separated. They're north and south, but in the middle, they can still be attacked or whatever it may be. And we'll go a little bit more into that. But in verse 7 it says, um, sorry, in verse 6, You shall therefore survey the land in seven parts and bring the survey here to me, that I may cast lots for you here before the Lord our God. But the Levites have no part among you, for the priest of the Lord is their inheritance. And Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance beyond the Jordan, on the east, which Moses, a servant of the Lord, gave them. So we see here that he gives them instructions of what to do. And then in verse 9, and I think it's important to, to note this, is that the men are actually willing to go. Uh, the men are actually willing to go. So in verse 9 it says, Then the men arose to go away, and Joshua charged those who went to survey the land, saying, Go walk to the land, survey it, and come back, come back to me that I may cast lots for you here 
before the Lord in Shiloh. So the men went past through the land and wrote the survey in a book in seven parts by cities. And they came to Joshua at the camp in Shiloh. Then Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord. And there Joshua divided the land to the children of Israel according to their, to their divisions. So we see here that he uh, sends them to survey. And I don't know if you guys uh, uh, realize, but where did they learn to, to do this? To survey the land, right? Anybody ever survey land or anything like that? Um, you're basically kind of reading the land, right? Kind of uh, basically boundaries and all that stuff. So um, commentaries say that uh, they learned to survey the land in Egypt, right? Remember when they had to build pyramids and all these other things, and uh, they, they, they were slaves, but they were learning things while they were there. And it's, it's so interesting because the Lord sometimes will allow us to be in places because he wants us to learn something, right? I don't know about you guys, but there's so many things that I learned before I knew the Lord that the Lord has used now as I, I continue to walk in him, right, that have become useful. Things that, I don't know if you guys, when you guys were in, like, um, elementary school, you guys would say, why do I need to learn this math? I don't even want to continue on to school. I don't know if anybody ever said that, right? Um, but the point is, at some point or another, right, you're going to use that, right, in the same way with the Lord um, I don't know what stage or season of your life he has you in, if you're happy or unhappy with the place you're in, but I, I, I want to tell you, whatever season the Lord has you in right now, he's teaching you something. And he's not just teaching you something because like, ah, you know, I'm going to teach Gio a lesson, uh, so I'm going to put him through the season. No, that, that, that's not the only thing. Sometimes the Lord allows us to be in seasons so that we can learn things where he's going to use later in our lives. Right? Where he's going to learn, he's going to use later in our lives. And so for the Israelites, it was surveying, right? As soon as they come into the land, they have to survey the land, right? They have to survey the land and figure out what's going to be what. I think the second part of this, the flip side of this is, is this is that they, yes, they surveyed the land and said, hey, these are the boundaries. This is basically what should be and shouldn't be or whatever. But then they casted lots to see who got what. They left it to the Lord, right? They left it to the Lord. A lot of times I think I find myself in a place where I'm like, all right, Lord, you taught me this, so I already know how to do this. And the Lord is like, no, 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 stop. Just stop for a little bit. You have something in mind, but I want to do it different. Right? I want to do it different. And so what we see is that the, the, um, the Israelites, these seven tribes, right, they, they, they got the pick of the rest of the land of what they wanted. And they could have easily said, well, you know, I really like the, the coast. I really like the coast, but, but you know, like I, I'll take the, 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 I don't know, the pasture or whatever, right, Cho chosen what they wanted. But rather than doing that, they chose to trust in the Lord and it's really good because, and I'm not going to go too much into it, because every single one of these uh, last pieces of land have a lot of things that are going to happen to them over hundreds of years, right? And so it, it tells us that, that, that we need to learn to rest in the Lord because when we rest in the Lord, then the Lord's going to choose for us. And the Lord's going to use our gifts and, and our skills, right? That our spiritual gifts, yes, because a lot of times we're like, oh, well, Lord, how are you using me? Well, what skills has the Lord given you and how is he using them in your life? Are you choosing to just not use those, right? And so we see here that 
they went and did, but also they chose to trust in the Lord so that he would cast lots, right? And so we see here they cast the lots, um, and they divided the land. And now they're going to hand this land out. And we're going to kind of run through this really quick because I want to point out a few things before we finish. And it says in verse 11, Now the lot of the tribe of the children of Benjamin came up according to their families, and the territory of their lot came out of between the children of, of Judah and the children of Joseph. So notice here, so important, that Benjamin, the, the land of Benjamin, where does it say that it lands? The lot. Where does it say that it land? Between, right? It, it lands between Judah and, and, and Ephraim, right? Between, sorry. Joseph, sorry. But, okay, so it's Ephraim and then Manasseh, okay? So when they say Joseph, they're referring to the, to the two tribes. That's, that's why I was thinking, like, at a map I saw. And so, anyway, they, it's between these two, right? And, and I found that so interesting because the tribe of Benjamin, do you guys know what they were known for? The, the, Joseph, their father, um, described when he's giving them the blessing, the, the tribe of Benjamin, he describes them as ravenous wolves. Why is that? Why is that? Because they were courageous, right? Do you guys remember the descendants of, in, the, in the tribe of Benjamin? Who was in the tribe of Benjamin? In, um, who was the first king of Israel? Saul was from the tribe of what? Benjamin. And then there was another Saul, right, who later is named Paul or whatever they, and he says, right, from the tribe of Benjamin, right? And so you have these courageous men who should have been able to take over this land, no problem, and should have been able to take whatever land they wanted, but what happens? They take the land that the Lord gives them. Right? And so they were in this standstill, and when the Lord says go, there's the first ones to receive the land. Not only that, um, we're going to see uh, that they end up between, right? So remember we were talking about before that Manasseh or the sons of Joseph are known as what? Like represent what? The flesh, right? And what does Judah represent? What does Judah represent? Like the spiritual life, Right? The spiritual life. Because Judah are the ones that, that, that have King David who has a heart after, uh, after God's heart. And so they represent the spiritual life of Israel. Whereas the northern, uh, right now they're not northern, but uh, the, the sons of Joseph or um, Manasseh and Ephraim, they represent the flesh. But who comes in between? Right? Who comes in between? In between comes Benjamin, between these two, to join them together. And I think it's so interesting because... In our lives, like I was saying earlier, we have the flesh and the spirit. And in order for us to be able to find middle ground in that, it takes a lot of courage, right? It's not easy to find rest in the Lord when you have bills to pay, right? It's not easy to find rest in the Lord when you'd rather be doing other things, if we're really honest with each other, right? It's not easy to read your Bible when, when, when you have to get up an hour extra before you go to work, or stay up later. I don't know if you're a night owl or a morning person. Uh, I used to be a night owl, and now I'm a morning person, I, I guess, because I can't really sleep too late anymore. But we see that the in-between here is this, this, this tribe of Benjamin that comes and, and, and is known for their, for, for their courage, but really 
where they find her, their courage is really in the Lord, right? It's really in the Lord, and we see that in, in Paul of Tarsus, right? He was, he was mean. He was evil before Jesus changed his life, but once Jesus changed his life, he was courageous, right? He was courageous, but he found that in the rest in the Lord. And so we see here, continuing on in verse um, 12, their border on the north side began at the Jordan, and the border went up to the side of Jericho on the north and went up through the mountains westward. It ended at the wilderness of Beth-Avon. The border went over from there towards Luz to the side of Luz, which is Bethel, southward. And the border descended to Adaroth Arar, near the hill that lies on the south side of lower beth Haran. And the border extended around the west side of the south from the hill that lies before beth Haran southward, and it ended at Kirjath-Baal, which is Kirjath-Jerim, a city of the children of Judah. So notice they're basically sharing with the city of Judah. Um, then continuing on, it says, um, this was the west side. The south side began at the end of Kirjath Jerim, and border extended on the west and went out to the spring to the waters of Nephtoah. Then the border came down to the end of the mountain that lies before the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is in the valley of the Rephaim. On the north descended to the valley of Hinnom, to the side of Jebusai city, on the south, and descended to Enrohel. And it went around from the north, went out to Anshemesh, and extended toward Geliloth, which is before the ascent of Admim, and descended to the stone of Bohan and the son of Reuben. Then it passed along toward the north side of Arabah and went down to Arabah. And the border passed along the north side of Beth Hogla. Then the border ended at the north bay at the Salt Sea at the south end of the Jordan. This was the southern boundary. The Jordan was its border on the east side. This was the inheritance. Sorry. This was the inheritance of the children of Benjamin according to the boundaries all around, according to their families. So um, here uh, we see that the Lord lays, lays his borders and everything and gives them the land, right? And then verse 21 through 28, we're, we're not going to read because it really just goes into the specific cities that, that he, um, that they're given, okay, that they're given. There are some things I want to point out here before uh, we finish here. So we talked about Shiloh, right? That it meant what? Rest. Sorry, and, and that there's this rest, right? And so a lot of times... Um, like the children of Israel, we, we cross over the Jordan River, right? And the presence of God we bring with us to this place of rest. And, and, and a lot of times we think that all we need is the rest of the Lord because that, that, that's all that life is, right? But how many of you guys know that the Bible speaks of more than just this life, of more than just what's going on here? And what we go through in this life is, is not just for this life, right? Because if we think that the seasons that the Lord has, has going through, if we think that the stuff that the Lord has given us is just for this life, then we're going up in the same place that the seven tribes ended up. We're going to end up 
in a place where we don't conquer anything because there's nothing after that. We're going to go with Jesus, so who cares what we do in this life, right? Now, does that mean that we get to take any of our uh, physical belongings with us? No, right? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that what happens in the physical will also transform what happens in the spiritual, right? And if we live our lives as if this is it, what ends up happening is that we forget about the in-between, what we need to do in between, right? And so I think an example of this um, is, is, is Shiloh, the rest that they're talking about and, and the presence of God, right? They go from Gilead, they bring it to Shiloh, which is the rest of God, but it doesn't end there, right? Because where does it go after that? Where does it go after that? In 2 Samuel chapter 6, we see that David, right, in his heart is moved to move the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. So from Shallow to Jerusalem, 400 years are up, and, and, and they move the Ark of the Covenant from Shallow to Jerusalem. Now, what happened to the tabernacle? The Philistines destroyed it is what happened to the tabernacle. But what happens is that the presence of God continues to dwell in the Ark of the Covenant, and they go to move this presence to Jerusalem because that's what David felt that he needed to do, right? So do you guys remember the story of what happens in, in the moving? They're moving this, uh, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant, right? And do you guys remember what they had it on? A cart. Good. So it was on a cart, and it was being pulled by donkeys, and... Uh, and, and, and there's men of David who are, who are going with it. And all of a sudden, the ark begins to tumble, right? It begins to, like, shake. What would you do? You're going to hold it, right? So this man, he stretches out his hand to hold the ark of the covenant. What a hero. He saved the day, right? Yeah, and he, right? And he dies, Instantly, for a long time, I read that passage. And I was like, "Lord, I don't understand this. This man was just doing his job, and he, you know, like he died." Do you, re- you guys remember what happens after that? David realizes something. David realizes that we can't move the presence of God. The presence of God moves us. Why is that? Why do I say that? Because he realizes that there had been a commandment that was established that the Ark of the Covenant was to, be, was to be transported a specific way, and they were not doing it that way. Was David doing a good thing? Absolutely. Absolutely, right? But, again, he was trying to move the presence of God rather than allowing the presence of God to move him. And so what we see is that David goes back. Right? He goes back and, 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 and then he transports, finishes transporting the Ark of the Covenant the way that it was supposed to. Why? Because the Spirit of God moved his heart and moved him. Right? And so when I think about this whole chapter here and, and, and the, 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 is, the Israelites and the tribes and, and basically where they're at and this challenge, how long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you, I think we have to be in that place that David was, right? 
And one thing that, the first thing that I see here is that the Israelites realize in the rest of the Lord, right? In the Lord, what they realize is that they want to acknowledge, right? This is the in-between. Like when we get our rest with the Lord, this is what we should come to is they acknowledge their place. They realize that they haven't conquered the land. David realizes, I didn't transport the Ark of the Covenant, all right? Basically, I, I, I disobeyed the Lord. It's really where he's getting to. He acknowledges. So the first one is he acknowledges. You guys don't see on the screen, so I don't know why. But, okay, we're going to continue on. Okay, um, so the second thing here that I also see that in order for us to get to that, to that place, to the presence of the Lord to Jerusalem, right, the, us to be sanctified, secondly here is that surrender, okay, surrender, right. It's good that we acknowledge where we're at in life, that we haven't taken over what the Lord has given us, the inheritance that the Lord has given us, but that's not enough, right, if I see, if I, if I see, like, if the Bible says, if you see somebody hungry, a brother hungry, and you don't give him to eat, what have you done, right? And I think it refers to us as well, right? If we see our sin, if we see our disobedience, if we see that we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing in the Lord in that season in our life, then it matters nothing. So the second thing here is surrender. And we see for the Israelites, right, that they didn't tell Joshua, well, you go conquer it for us. They didn't say, well, no, I'm good. I'm not going to do this. Rather, and you see it mostly with the tribe of Benjamin, they surrender to the Lord. How? They have to share land with Judah. They have to be in between Judah and Ephraim. And they don't get to choose the coast or the mountains. They allowed the Lord in the casting of lots to tell them where they were going to go. And in the same way, where are we not surrendering to the Lord? What are we seeing with our eyes, our spiritual eyes? What are we seeing with our spiritual eyes in our lives that the Lord is calling us to step out and receive the inheritance he has given us and we're not surrendering our hearts to him? Where is that? And lastly here, once we acknowledge and we surrender, it's so important that we receive as well, right? That we receive how many of you guys have a hard time receiving Christmas presents or birthday presents? Huh? <laughs> Some of you guys are like, not me. I kind of do. I, I kind of struggle with it. And my wife's like awesome. She gives me so many presents, but it, it's hard for me. It's almost like I get the present and like I got to do something to work for it. If you're in that place, like you, you struggle with receiving presents too. How many of you guys struggle with receiving promises from the Lord, blessings from the Lord, right? The Lord, the Lord gives you an offering that some random person just gave you, and you're like, oh, no, no, I can't take that, right? You see, the last part of this, this chapter is where it gets specific as to what uh, the, the, the um, Benjamites were to receive, right? It gets very specific, and that was them receiving what the Lord had given them. Did it take work? Yes. But they went from a place where they had done nothing this whole time while everybody's doing what they're supposed to, to a place of where they chose to receive. You know how hard that must have been? It's been hard, right? 
But the Lord calls us not only to acknowledge, not only to surrender, but also to receive from the Lord. And for the Benjamites, they received the land, they received instruction of what to do, and we see that they did it well. And they, it, it was a blessing to them. But, but the word here, the key word here is rest, right? It's rest. While we're the, in this world, the key word is rest. Rest in him. Because without that, it will be like my uh, extraneous workout. Whereas one thing after another. And mind you, that's what it was meant to do. But the outcome of that was being worn out, being burnt out. Muscles that wouldn't want to function anymore. Is that where we want to be in life? We're like the Israelites. Jesus has to say, how long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your Father has given you? Because we're cramping. Because we're not taking time to rest with the Lord. I think that's so important. David took time to rest with the Lord. And he, the presence of God was with him. Even when he messed up. So our challenge tonight is what is in our lives that we need to acknowledge, that we need to surrender and move forward in receiving what is it? Because the Lord is calling us to rest. And until we do this, we won't have rest in him. And we'll feel battered down, defeated, without hope. Those are our lies from the enemy. Because he is our hope. So tonight as we, as we go on, let's keep that in our hearts. And this challenge, really, than anything, not to beat us down, but to hopefully encourage us to take a step forward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we thank you, Lord, because like Joshua, Lord, you don't allow us to um, continue on in the wrong path, but rather you call our attention. You speak to us. Uh, some of us a little harsher than others, Lord. But you know why you do that, Lord. Um, you do it because you love us, Lord. You gave your son, your one and only son, for us, Lord. He suffered. He bled. He wept. All so that we could have life and life eternal with you, Lord. Lord, it's not enough that we crossed over the Jordan, Lord. Now we got to take your rest serious. That when that day comes and we're standing before you in the day of judgment, Lord, you may say, "Good, well done, good and faithful servant, Lord. We could cruise through this life or we could work through it, Lord. Not for our salvation, but from our salvation, Lord. So, Lord... Um, Change our hearts, transform us to be more like you, and allow us to see that power that lies between, Lord. Lord, we thank you tonight, and we praise you in your name, amen.